Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star on this special Sunday where we get to pause and say thank you. I love that there is a date on our calendars called Veterans Day. And it's a date put there so we don't ever forget to remember. We don't ever get so busy in the culture and world that we live in that we don't pause to look at those who have served on our behalf. You know, today I got up, live out in West Cobb a little bit, and drove in. There was nobody stopping me. There was nobody telling me I had to stay home. There's nobody keeping me off Blue Springs Road trying to come to church. It was a choice, and I really don't even think about it because you and I have a freedom. We just we have sort of gotten used to that freedom and that freedom to worship and that freedom to live and to make choices and to build a life that we want. And all of that has happened on the backs of those that have come before us and have served. And every Sunday here in Compass, True North, and even in our, in our overflow room right now and watch it online, there are some of you that you, you didn't know that the person around you had worn that uniform and that they had made that pledge to serve on our behalf. So if you are a veteran of our armed services or are currently serving in our armed services, would you mind standing in, in our venues today? Would y'all go ahead and stand up? You, would, you, would you all stay standing? Um, thank you. Thank you because of what you did and are currently doing, we get the freedoms that we have. And I'm so thankful to live in a country where we get to stand on the shoulders of those who have paid the ultimate price and those that have stood willing to pay the ultimate price. On D-Day, Ronald Reagan, 50 years after D-Day, gathered at Point de Ho, commemorating the day that our Army Rangers took the cliffs at Normandy. 230 of them came bearing arms. On day two, only 95 were still fighting. And he closed his address with these words. He said in the Stephen Spender's poem, you are those, he was speaking to the men that day and our crowd gathered that day. You are those whose lives fought for life and left the vivid air signed with your honor. Would y'all join me in a word of prayer today? Father, thank you for the men and women standing around our rooms this morning. They represent the best of the best. And they represent those that have been willing to go, I'll stand, I'll fight. God, thank you. May they never, ever think that those years were futile. But God, we are here today because of their service to us. God, bless them, use them, and God, may they always know that they have left our world and our country a better place. It's in Jesus' name. 
that I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Would y'all thank these folks again for what they've done? Are awesome. Well, today we continue our study through the book of Acts. So if you've got your Bible and your notes, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 28. We're going to start reading in verse 17 here in a second. Probably the easiest way to follow along is on the North Star Church app, uh, North Star Church Georgia in the App Store. It is a super easy way to, to go right along with us. All the notes are there. If not, you got a little sermon note sheet on the way in because we have established over these last few weeks, we're all either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or congratulations, you're about to head in one yourself and you don't even know it yet, right? We're all in the process of storms in our lives. We established the very first week. Some of those storms we have no control over. Some of those storms are caused by us. But here's the deal. We've all got to figure out not only how to get through the storm. We got to figure out how to thrive coming out of the storm. We find Paul today. Remember, Paul's been on quite a journey. Paul gets called on the Damascus road to Jesus. They're on that Damascus road. He gives up his life to the Lord and, and God begins to use Paul in amazing ways in the book of Acts. And we find Paul today, remember Paul's been on a ship. If you've been following along with us, he's been on a ship. They got shipwrecked. They've been through a storm. He's been in Malta for three months. And finally, he's made it to Rome. And his whole goal was to get to Rome so Caesar could hear his things that he had been going through and, and give him some reprieve for the false imprisonment that he had gotten, but he hadn't quite made it that far yet. Now he is imprisoned. He, we found him last week. He had gotten a home. They allowed him to stay in a home, but he's chained to a Roman soldier. And what Luke records today is what's going on right here after Paul begins to take up residence in Rome. Would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? Acts chapter 28, we're going to start reading in verse 17. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. All right, time out real quick. So every time Paul would go to a community, he would always go to the synagogue. He would always go to the synagogue and he would preach and he would teach in the local synagogue. Most scholars think there was 10 to 60,000 Jews that lived in this Roman area here. Most of them did not know Christ. They were Jewish believers, but they didn't know the gospel yet. And so he summons them since they can't, he can't go to them because he's, he's chained up. He asked them to come to him. And he said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem. I was handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me, and they wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders, Festus and Felix, protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I ask you to come here today. So we could get acquainted and I could explain to you that I'm bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah has already come. All right, time out real quick. So Paul's going, here's why I've called you here. Number one, 
Here's what I've been through. Number two, here's why I'm here. Number one, they falsely accused me. The Romans were going to let me go. The Jews kept me in prison. But here's why I'm here. I am here because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They didn't believe that. They thought the Messiah was still to come. And he was going, no, 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 no. He has come, and that's why I'm here. They replied, we've had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who's come here, but we want to hear what you, what's the next word they use? They may not have believed like he did, but here's what they believe. They believe he believed it. They believed he was all in on it. They had no question that Paul believed this to be true. Paul wasn't playing games, man. He's chained up, but he ain't stopping the story. Verse 22, but we want to hear what you believe for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere, meaning everywhere it's gone, you've been run out of town, but they are there and they are listening and we're going to learn some lessons today that I'm telling you could change our lives. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing today, would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Would you tell him today that when he speaks, you'll listen, would you? God, you have our ears, you have our hearts, you have our lives. God, would you step into our space this morning and give us what we need? And when you give it to us through your Holy Spirit, Father, may we be obedient to take it. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, find three people and say, I'm already, already ready for spring. Do that real quick. Already do it. We do not, so we don't, we don't do business meetings and such here at Norse, but I feel like I need to. How many of you are already ready for warm weather? Can I get an amen? Oh yeah, both hands up. That's brutal. Brutal. If you're praying for cold weather, stop. All right, please stop. It's terrible. I walked out this morning. It was so bad. But anyways, here's Paul. Paul, this apostle of Jesus, whose life is on mission who's found himself in a storm. Physical storm, right, that he's just come out of, but he's been, in, he's, been in a, he's been in a spiritual storm too, working against him. And we find Paul doing something very interesting. We find Paul thriving after he comes out of the storm. So here's the crazy part. We all have a choice Coming out of that storm, there's a great college football coach. I'll re let him remain unnamed because it will set some of you off and you won't be able to listen to me the rest of the time. But he says these words. He says these words. Ready? He says, people aren't born winners. People are not born losers. People are born choosers. So today, we're going to be talking about choosing. We get choices coming out of storms. If we are going to thrive, it is a choice. 
if we are going to remain where we are, it is a choice. People aren't winners. People aren't losers. We're all choosers. So what are the choices that people that come out of storms thriving? So let, let's go ahead and set the, set, the, set the level here. Does Paul have every reason to be upset about his predicament? Yes or no? Yes. He's got every reason. He just chooses not to. Principle number one, we learn from Paul's life, we can apply to our lives. I've got to turn my attention to the needs of others. Now, this sounds easy. That is not easy. When you go through a storm, whether it's a physical storm whether it's an emotional storm, whether it's a relational storm, whether it's a job storm, whether it is whatever, I mean, what, it may be a physical storm that you've been through. When you go through that storm, so I'm gonna ask you a question. Is it easier to think about others or is it easier to think about yourself? Which one? Yourself. I don't even have to work at it. I don't have to think about it. It is all natural, Right? I love to throw a party when I've been through a storm. Now, here's the party I throw. It is a pity party. Have y'all ever thrown one of those before? How many of y'all have ever thrown a pity party? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Nobody's invited but yourself, right? You don't want anybody else to come. You just want to camp in the storm. I don't look outward. I look inward. I don't look for ways to bless I look for ways to blame. I don't look for ways to bless other people when I'm in, the, in my pity storm. And listen, you have every right to do it. But it's a choice. Those that thrive coming out of storms are those that choose to look at others, not themselves. And it's a choice. And it's not a choice everybody wants to make. Paul chose. Look, look at what it says. It's really interesting. Three days after his arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. I am chained to a Roman guard. So, I mean, we're thinking, well, Paul, he's in a house. Yeah, Paul's not sitting by the pool drinking a Diet Coke, eating bonbons, all right? And so Paul is chained to a Roman guard. Paul could be sitting there going, okay, God, I mean, what's up here? I'm doing all the right things. I'm saying all the right things. I'm making all the right choices, and yet here I am. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul summons the local leaders and begins to build a relationship with his Jewish leaders of these synagogues. Why? Because Paul was there for a bigger reason. Paul understood. Everybody get this. His life was not about him. His life was about others. Listen to me. The day that we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, no longer is our life about ourselves anymore. Our life is about others. If salvation was the only reason that he came for you, then he would take you home immediately. Why does he leave us here? He leaves us here for others. I want you to write this little thought down under number one. We're going to talk about it real quick. God will not waste my storm. He won't waste it. Paul begins to appeal to them, and he's not allowing his 
storm to be wasted. He tells them what's happened, explaining why he was under arrest. But instead of asking why, he begins to ask, okay, God, what do you have next for me? You have two books in the New Testament, Philippians and Colossians. Both scholars think Paul wrote while he was imprisoned in Rome. Philippians is my favorite book of scripture because it's about joy, I love it. But he wrote about joy while he was in prison. If I wrote a letter while I was in prison, it would not be about joy, all right? It would be about how people are out to get me and how mad I am at people. How many of y'all would have written that book? All right, and so that's how I'd be, not Paul. Paul turns his attention to others. Why? Because he's not gonna waste his time. Paul knows his time on earth is limited. We are now in the seasoned years of Paul's life. Not the older years, I choose to look at it as seasoned, all right? And so he's in the seasoned years of his life. And he's like, God, you're not gonna waste this. And he turned his attention to others. I'm gonna tell you something. You wanna change your outlook? Use the events that have hurt the most to turn and bless others. There's a family in our last service, they sat right back there. 2003, they lost their 28-year-old son in a tragic, tragic plane crash. Their son had been an excellent football player, gone off to play college football. Their son had gotten saved at an FCA football camp. And every year, they put on a golf tournament to raise money to send kids to FCA football camp. Why? Because they don't want their son's life to be in vain. But rather than choosing to look back and go, why God, which they have, but they chose to say, we're gonna bless somebody else. There's another family that sits right over here. Their daughter at 23 lost her life and uh, she had gotten a liver transplant. The body rejected it ultimately <clears throat> and she ended up passing away she wore crazy socks. So every year they gather up crazy socks. They carry them to Choa and they do a walk to, to remind them and, and others of their daughter's life and they raise money for the Transplant Foundation. What are they doing? They are taking their pain and blessing others in their pain. Does their pain go away? No. But they know this. Everybody get this. God can bring purpose from your pain if you let him. It's a choice. There's not winners. There's not losers. There's what? Point number two. To thrive coming out of a storm, if we're gonna thrive, we gotta battle bitterness with forgiveness. This is the catch. And here's where the ultimate choice comes in. When pain hits our lives, when storms enter our lives, ever how they got there, they're coming, right? When those things happen, our ultimate question is going to be, am I going to be bitter or am I going to be better? That's the choice we got to make. Sometimes those storms 
were caused by someone whom we loved. And it makes this pain even deeper. And we have to battle bitterness. Here's the crazy part. God has a purpose and a plan for every person here this morning. The question of whether we ever find it is going to be what we do with pain in our lives. Was the storm an accident? Or is the storm something that God and his plan can use in our lives So here's what happens to us. When a a storm hits our lives, and I make the choice, am I gonna be bitter or am I gonna be better? It is all about what do I do with bitterness? Because when we get hit with a storm, we get mad and we get upset. We look for people to blame. And sometimes it's pinned on somebody else. And sometimes it's pinned on God. And sometimes it's pinned on ourselves. We can't even forgive ourselves. And here's what happens. So this this pain hits our lives like it hit Paul's life. Paul had every right to be bitter. Paul had every right to go, it is not fair, it is not right, I don't like it. The Jews hate me, the Romans hate me, and I can name off. And, And Paul knew they should even have taken off from the one port. They should have never gotten in the storm. He could have blamed the sailors. There's tons of people. But when that happens and we find ourselves in this camp, we get a choice of what we do. If we choose not to forgive, now I want you to get this. If we choose not to forgive, bitterness will reign in our lives. And we wonder why we can sit in services Sunday after Sunday and we can never move forward to what God wants for us. Forgiveness moves us forward. Bitterness holds us back. And it is a choice. It is a choice. Some of us, we have faces and we have names that are in our brain right now. They hurt us. What they did, I'm not excusing. What we do with it is our choice. Paul said something really interesting. He said, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. Paul's like, I could have struck back. I could have gone to get him, but I chose not to. I chose to forgive. See, sometimes forgiveness is hard because we feel like when we extend forgiveness, we're letting them off the hook. You're letting them off your hook. Not God's, yours. It's the craziest thing. Years ago, Ann and I walked through a crazy season back in the early 2000s. It was just some crazy extended junk in our lives. It wasn't, wasn't us. It was just some extended stuff. And it was a, it was a dark season. And she, she was at the bookstore one day and bought a book called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. 
She left it laying out. Probably because she knew I was stupid enough to read it. All right. And so it was laying there. And I'm like, oh, book. I better read. All right. And so I grabbed the book and start reading it. I'm telling you, changed my life. Because I was making a choice in that season of my life. Am I going to live in bitterness? Or am I going to extend forgiveness? And I remember the wrestling match. Because everything in you goes, I don't want to forgive. I want to hate and I want to hurt. Because I have been hurt. The writer of the book was R.T. Kendall. R.T. Kendall was the pastor of, at that time of the Westminster Chapel. Famous, famous church. He never gets into what happened. Never says it in the book. But the pain that he writes from, you feel. Had a young man in, a missionary from Romania. Joseph was at his home. Crazy part about the world we all live in and in ministry is you have to be very careful who you share things with. He felt like this guy was safe and one night over dinner, he just unloaded the wagon, just blah, threw it up. Fully expecting this man to go, RT, you got every right to be ticked. You got every right to be mad. You need to sit in that. He said, I really wanted him to give me a game plan to hurt. And the young man said, may I get a cup of tea? And go to a private room for 15 minutes before I share with you. His wife got him a cup of tea and he went to a room. And when he returned, R.T. Kendall writes this in his book, Total Forgiveness. He said, he looked at me. Knowing the whole story. And he said, R.T., you must totally forgive them. You must totally forgive them. Unless you totally forgive them, you'll be the one in chains. Release them. And you will be released. He said, nobody had ever talked to me like that before in my life. And I think of the words in the book of Proverbs. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Whew. Some of us, this is why we're here today. You walked in free physically. But inside, you've been chained for years. And when I said bitterness, you knew exactly what I was talking about. And that poison that you intended for somebody else, you're sipping. And it's getting you, not them. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. It does not excuse what they did or what you did. 
But it says, I'm not going to be bound to it anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never find God's best in life till you let those chains go. Would y'all pray with me right where you are? This was not our plan this morning, but this is just, we can't get past this. Somehow Paul chose to forgive. So must we. If you're here today and you say, Mike, this is me. This is my story. I'm so mad. I'm so upset. It's keeping me from all I know. I want to live sin. I want, to, I want my life to get. I just, it has chained me for too long. And the damage I want imposed on somebody else, I am reaping on myself. And I want to make the first step today to just do what Jesus did for me and to forgive. If that's you here today, I'm going to ask you to do one of the gutsiest things you've ever done. And that's to acknowledge that today was for you. This is not for me. This is for the Lord. It's for you. If you're here today and you say, Mike, I might be the only one that this was for, but I have been living in bitterness and I do not want to be chained to bitterness anymore. I want to forgive as I was forgiven. If that's you here today, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Nobody's looking but me. I am looking because I want to pray for you. Just put your hands up, hands all over this room. Mm. Father, you know every story. You know every pain, every hurt, every tear, every sorrow, and every chain. And you are a God who breaks chains. Break theirs today. Father, may you help restore them as they extend forgiveness. God, I pray over their lives, and I am so proud of them today. You can put your hands down now. Jesus, thank you for the forgiveness you extended to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would y'all join me today and thank the Lord for his forgiveness and to congratulate those around the room. Story didn't end there. Point three, be ready. Be ready to tell others about the hope that got you through the storm. Oh, Paul couldn't keep his mouth shut. Oh, Paul, we're going to let the chains hold him back. He may be imprisoned, 
but he could still tell the story. I want to tell you about the hope of Israel, the Messiah that has already come. We would say it today, Paul lived, sent. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I will tell you. We have no guarantee how long our days will be. Only thing we can choose is to make it count. Paul made his life count. I want you to think about this, and we're going to wrap. What if Paul had gone, God, you did me wrong. I tried. I I was trying, and you, you did me wrong. I mean, look at me. What if Paul had thrown a pity party while he was imprisoned? No book of Philippians. No book of Colossians. Paul said, for me, to live as Christ and to die as gain, while I'm here, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to live sin. He said this, and he wrote this to the church at Colossae. He said, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I'll proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Everybody look at me. Maybe God brought you through that storm for somebody who's in a storm now that doesn't know Jesus, but they'll listen to you. They'll listen to your story. They'll listen to your heart because they know that you know. Just stand with me today. Father, may we never get over what you did for us. Father, may we be bold. May we be courageous like Paul. And may we choose joy. And may we choose the abundant life on the other side of the storm. God, today I pray over our folks. And God, I pray that we'll live sent in the office, on the ball field, in the locker room, with our friends, with people we've never met. May your story be fresh on our lips as we tell the hope that lies within us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.